as simple as it sounds, if anyone's got a kid, you'll know this. It, your whole world turns upside down. What you did 24 hours before that baby was born will never happen again. You, you just can't manage your time in the same way. So it brings a different level of stress. Add to that going to work. Add to that maybe you've got other kids. Add to that health issues, pressure from work, a business that's failing, a career that's struggling, relationships issues that are happening that aren't good, parenting. There is without a doubt, you could eat really healthy, but still find your body is misfunctioning or going into a state of dis-ease, dis-ease, because now at a cellular level, there's chemical reactions that are fighting whatever you're doing on a healthy level in terms of your diet. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you are listening to The Cicado Show with Dr. Rowe and Harms. Cicado means to seek turning points. And on this show, where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today, the mission is to provide you with what you need in order to create a turning point in your life now. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to create these shows is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you will have gained at least one insight which you can take away and apply directly into your life. Practical tools, voices that come from both generations, younger generation with tips and tools, older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience. So you can help unlock your true potential to give you the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level to give you a chance to impact both your life and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. We welcome you to The Cicado Show. Before we jump into the show, let me just tell you a little bit about becoming a Cicado supporter now. If you love what we do on the show, have gained transformational insights and positive outcomes or any small shifts which have allowed you to create turning points in your life, then please head to cicado.com and become a supporter of the show now. By supporting the show, we can continue to expand by getting you better quality production, spending more time deep diving important topics and creating more exclusive supporter perks as well as getting great guests on. And by the way, as a thank you for becoming a supporter, and depending on which supporter tier you select at cicado.com, these perks range from my weekly recipe for success emails through to audios and video courses from my 23 Steps to Success, which includes online modules on how to find your life balance, gaining confidence, improving your time management, making successful career transitions, understanding financial independence, creating a life purpose, understanding and how to manage your money, becoming a money master, understanding negotiation techniques, learning to communicate more effectively and so much more. So don't delay. It takes less than two minutes and you can become a Cicado supporter, helping to expand the show and get special perks as a thank you. Become a supporter now at cicado.com. Let's get back to the show. This is part two on a conversation on the topic of body. And I want to start off by re-quoting from part one. And if you listen to that, that was episode 34. This quote had quite an impact on our listeners and many mentioned that it made them understand, it made them sit up and realize 
why the result of what we do to our body today is not actually seen today, it will be seen in decades to come and sadly, sometimes in a catastrophic way. So the quote that Roe pulled out to share with the listeners was from Hippocrates. And the quote goes like this, illness do not come upon us out of the blue. They come about through small daily sins against nature. When enough sins have accumulated, illness will suddenly appear. Now, that's such a powerful quote. And moving on now to why we chose and selected this particular subject in the relation of body and why we're even having a part two on it is twofold really two reasons number one is because whilst we go through a highly vulnerable time as a human race where the reality is we are under threat under attack by a virus therefore myself and Roe wanted to talk into the subject of the body and as you know we have brought in previous guests to talk about immunity and amazing subjects like that to keep you protected, we also wanted to contribute and we wanted to equip our listeners, you, with simple ideas in which you can adopt immediately around the area of body. So that's number one. You know, the reality is, is we care, we are passionate about health. And number two, the second reason is Roe has been distributing his recipes for success for years now. And if you listen to episode one, part one, you would have started to understand what these recipes are about. And within these recipes are five main ingredients, mind, body, self, relationships, and money. And as a supporter of the podcast, when you support from the starting tier, actually, which is literally one pound a month, you get the perk of receiving your weekly recipes directly into your inbox. And what are these recipes? Well, you will get a creative idea within each one of those categories to inspire change. So for example, in mind for that particular week, you may have an an inspirational statement, a creative idea that you can implement and act on immediately with your family, friends, yourself within that particular week. So that's how it works. So to honor these amazing recipes that go out, we wanted to focus in on one of these areas in part one and part two of this episode. That part is body. So let me just do a quick recap before I hand over and introduce you to Ro. And in part one, in episode 34, we spoke about diet, sleep, and vitality. So let me do a quick snapshot. So diet in the form of both liquid and food, and that's everything from experiencing a clean burn to describing a superfoods pyramid with some examples of what to eat and drink within each category of that pyramid. So that was amazing. That was cool. That should give you an insight of what to eat and what not to eat, the ideal foods and the foods to maybe avoid, which will give you a food hangover and those items which almost tell you you just had a food hanger. You wake up, you'll wake up the next day feeling a certain way because of something you ate the previous day. The next thing we covered was sleep. Sleep is critical. We spend a third of our lives asleep, but we don't take it that seriously considering how much time we spend asleep. So we covered everything from what technology Ro uses to analyze his sleep to the impact sleep has on your overall life and also some incredible must-read book recommendations, which finally the science is now being shared with the public And those are some great book recommendations to check out. You can find those on the show notes, of course. The final thing we spoke about was vitality. What is vitality and why is it different to energy? There's a big difference here. And 
Roe shared with us some tactics and tools and techniques in the best way to actually observe your vitality in a given week or a given day in order for you to be able to observe it and understand what is causing a dip in vitality. And it could be that you're permanently dipped in vitality, in which case you're not getting the best out of yourself and your human potential. And finally, Ro left us with a purpose statement to inspire you listeners into hopefully working on your own health purpose statement, sitting up, understanding how important that quote is that we just shared in the introduction. Okay, now on to part two, where we will be discussing exercise, meditation, and some conclusive points for you to start deep diving on. But before we get into part two, Ro, we had a couple of listeners ask a handful of similar questions, which I thought was interesting, and it goes something like this. What if our listeners approached this and they listened to part one and they said, actually, Ro and Harms, this all seems so simple. Surely it can't be as simple as drinking clean liquids and eating clean foods. Is it as simple as that? And I wanted to ask this question to you to provoke the listeners who may, and I have in the past, tend to overcomplicate the matters of body and health. So Ro, over to you. Welcome to part two of what's and I know what we've got in store for them because we've really deep dive and prepared a comprehensive set of notes for the listeners today. Thanks, Harms. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. And I think this is a subject that we could stretch over many podcasts. And in fact, we've already discussed guests that we'd like to bring in. So again, thank you for supporting us. For those of you that are supporters of the podcast, hopefully you're getting the benefit of the the recipe for success, which took some time to do this, 260 ingredients to work on your mind, your body, yourself, your relationship, your money, as Harminder's talked about. And those of you that are you know, supporting us at a deeper level, I'm sure you're starting to watch some of these detailed videos that I've created around all these different subjects. So thank you for doing that as well. We're going to tackle part two in a slightly different way to maybe some people would. But to address that question, which is a great question, by the way, I wish it were that simple. Uh, if it was that simple, I think people would do it. Most people are looking for an easy fix. I think, I think you probably agree with this as well, Harms, that I think the older generation, my generation that grew up with, we grew up with a really old regimented approach to certainly fitness. It was hardcore circuit training, you know, the old school cross country runs. You had a taskmaster of a, a school teacher on physical education. And it was like, you do it or you get your, you know, your backside slapped, whatever, or your knuckles wrapped. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think today's generation, certainly, you know, your generation that have grown up had it quite as disciplined from a exercise, physical exercise perspective. Would that be a fair observation or have I got that I think wrong? That's fair. I, I think it's now, oh, are you uncomfortable running? Okay, we'll sit this one out. Yeah, you don't, right. have, to. You don't have to run today. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you don't feel like running today, you don't have to feel, you don't run today. Yeah. And tomorrow, oh, don't worry about it. So I think it, there is a shift in that. I think we've gone to the opposite extreme. So, so that's an interesting point. I remember coming back back from a school cross-country run or so many laps and I was, I was freezing. I mean, I, I, you know, I've never been a big guy, so I didn't have a lot of body fat, but I'd come back, my fingertips were numb, yeah, yeah, just soaked through and you just, you know, you did it. You didn't complain, you didn't grumble. If there was a, a level of uncomfortableness, you, you brought an extra top, whatever. You came in, everybody piled in the showers and that was it. The, the world in terms of physical and the exercise side of things has changed dramatically. That said, 
the technology, our awareness, our understanding of how the body works and the science behind it has gone to a completely elevated level, which is phenomenal. And there's a lot of free resources out there online that you can watch. And I would say some of them are very, very good. And some of them are dangerous in the sense that, you know, it's like everything. We have to caveat even our podcast, although we're going to give you guidance on what we do and some of the things that we've seen and working with people that I've been privileged to bring in as guests on my previous events, my live events, we still have to caveat and say, you've got to go and check things up. If we suggest something that, you know, you are looking to implement, if you have got any physical issues or anything like that, seek medical advice, go to a physical trainer. So we still have to caveat that. But if you listen to this, that is the caveat, by the way, if you're yeah. thinking, yeah, that is our it's caveat. A disclaimer. <laughs> it's our, it's, that's our disclaimer to say, look, if you don't want to exercise today, you don't have to. Yeah. And I think the point being that there's so much information, it becomes an overload. And I, I personally believe you have to tune in and go with what feels right. So there's stuff that we'll talk about today that may or may not work for you and that's fine, but it's about it's about going into a, a shopping mall or, or a marketplace and choosing the things off the shelf that are right for you. And unfortunately, at the moment, there's all these fads around and they've been around for many years, but they come and go very quickly because of social media. It flashes it up and people can pay advertising behind it. And if there's enough money behind the advertisement, people believe it's real because it's there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the case. So I'm we're going to stay general today, but we'll deep dive a few areas. So to answer your question, Harms, I think in simple terms, there are six or seven things for people to consider. So, and we'll wrap up with what we call the eight columns of health. So I'll give you that to finish off. And I think that'll be a nice way to top and tail this particular podcast. Amazing. So yes, you're right. We did talk about diet and we talked about liquid intake. Let, let's break it down very quickly for anyone thinking, is it that easy? So there's diet. That's one area that will impact your health. There's stress factors, external stress factors, everything from relationship challenges to what's happening around you environmentally, the work. Having a newborn baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen that in you already over this last month. And congratulations again, by the way. But but that, as simple as it sounds, if anyone's got a kid, you'll know this. Your whole world turns upside down. What you did 24 hours before that baby was born will never happen again. You, you just can't manage your time in the same way. So it brings a different level of stress. Add to that going to work. Add to that maybe you've got other kids. Add to that health issues, pressure from work, a business that's failing, a career that's struggling, relationships issues that are happening that aren't good, parenting there is without a doubt, you could eat really healthy, but still find your body is misfunctioning or going into a state of dis-ease, dis-ease, because now at a cellular level, there's chemical reactions that are fighting whatever you're doing on a healthy level in terms of your diet. Massive subject in its own right, by the way. Then we come to contaminants. We are living in a world of absolute pesticidal blitz. I mean, I read a statistic, I think I shared it with you before you had your baby harms that some years ago, they were looking at the uh, the pesticidal contamination within the umbilical cord of babies. And one report I read, they, they'd found up to 200 different chemicals in the umbilical cord of a baby that had been taken in through the mother who was not somebody that ate organic food, that, that they just ate because, you know, consumer produced, mass produced products off the shelf. And so this is coming in through what they're eating. This is coming in fr from maybe walking around their fields where there's pesticides, just general 
fumes coming in from cars. That's a hell of a lot of pesticidal contamination in a baby that hasn't even been born yet to this world. That's scary in its own right. That is scary. Um, and, you know, there's another stat, I can't remember what it was now, but the number of pesticides that were in the milk of cows being produced on a standard farm because they were eating grass, which of course has been sprayed and has probably been fertilized from, uh, you know, something else that's been sprayed and <laughs> contaminated. So it's it's ongoing. You go look into this. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a scary thing. So you I go- think that's a good point, Ro, which is, you know, we are sharing uh, our experiences. We're sharing what we've taught in the past. Ro's done live health events. He's brought experts in into that arena to share their expert knowledge. So this is just to bring to your awareness Correct. the topics of health and the d- different areas in which you can deep dive as example, contaminants is one. So you would now go deep dive and go learn about that topic yourself or something else may pop up. Like the next point Ro may talk about, that might be the one that piques your interest and you may want to deep dive into that. Yeah. Each of these is like a window into a huge area of research. And yeah, we haven't even talked about what's going on above us. So what's happening in the skies, everything from planes, you know, COVID, all of a sudden there was a load of global statistics that came out that said categorically that the environment had shifted even in those two or three months where mm. flights reduced to virtually nothing. Um, you know, add on top of that, the concept of chemtrails, whether you believe it exists or not, it is certainly a subject to go and look into. And it's certainly one that I've taken time to look into over the years. So it, this, is a, this is an environmental impact on our bodies now. That's the third thing. That's just, that's just three things alone can have an effect on your, on your health. Water quality is a massive subject, and I'm not going to go into it now. I've, I've shown Harminda this from where we used to run our events, but I think I brought a specialist in on this as well, that what you drink from a tap now, you, you've got to ask yourself the question, is it right for me? The, the amount of processing that has to go into tap water to get it to an, a pH neutral state and to make sure that it's chemically clean for you to consume, again, I'm not going to go there, but I myself am uncomfortable and haven't drunk straight tap water for I don't know, probably more than a decade now. So these are things to be aware of. And as you go around the country or around the world, different countries have different ways of treating water. So for example, if I'm in somewhere like Sweden, I can consciously taste the quality of the water. If I happen to have a mouthful of water that comes out of a tap, it, it, it tastes completely different to somewhere here. Harminda, you've been at events with me where I've been speaking and somebody's brought me water up to drink and you've seen me take one mouthful and immediately I've almost spat it back in the glass where I can smell it before it comes to my nose because I can smell the chlorine in there. Exactly. And you know, if if there's another way to think about this, because the listener may be saying, yeah, okay, but that's great. Otherwise, how are we going to have clean drinking water? Well, there's a flip side argument to that, which is, okay, through this cleaning process, all the amazing minerals are now stripped away. So you're you're having water, but it's it's demineralized. There's no nutrients in it. There's no minerals in it. So there's the flip side discussion of that water cleaning process as well. And you may want to think, okay, well, that tap water's coming in. How do I remineralize it? What what do I do? Where do I go from exactly. there? Again, we're starting to deep we're starting to deep dive into water. And actually on that subject, so I did mention to you Harms, but I've been contacted by somebody in the last couple of weeks who I haven't had a chance to talk to them yet, but I know them through a good friend of mine who's big, big, big on health for years, and they specialize in this, the science of this subject. So I'm hoping we can persuade them 
to come on and talk about this subject on our podcast, which would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so water, food quality is another one. Uh, again, huge subject. Uh, Harminder knows this for us. We actually chose to live, and he's done a similar thing actually with his lovely wife, G, to live in an area where it's really easy to access good quality food. And when I say good quality, I mean grown from the ground. In fact, Harm's about three or four, five weeks ago, we walked around an organic farm, didn't we? Watching food that was being seeded naturally, that was being placed into organic ground and everything's biodynamic. So it's coming back off the the animals and the soil. There's nothing there toxic. And it, it had this beautiful feeling. It was slower, granted, and you know you weren't seeing massive vegetables we were seeing naturally grown vegetables and you could just get a sense and when we tasted the food the quality of those vegetables tasted dramatically different to something you get off a shelf in a supermarket absolutely and we will be supporting listeners by sharing with you how you can offset the fact that food quality may be different in different parts of the country That's the, right. the reality is you know maybe we can't move close to organic farms or you don't have access to that or the way your lifestyle is that's fair and understandable. However, we will be bringing in a guest to show you how you can almost give yourself an insurance policy by making sure you have an offset for that food quality. So we're excited for that coming this, up. This soon. is a great point, actually. And, and when it comes to food quality, you've got the quality of the food, meaning how's it brought out of the ground? Is it, is it organically looked after? There's no toxins, there's no pesticides. And so it tastes better. The quality of the food in terms of taste tastes better. But then you've got the nutritional quality, the content. Is it packed or is it picked too early, stored in a dark area to prolong its life before it gets to the shelf such that you know, without going into statistics, you know the, the amount of vitamin content is literally negligible. I won't even go into some of the stats that I started reading some years ago now. So that, so well, how do we do that? And Carms has just mentioned it. You, there is a way around that. So it might be that you can't necessarily get the taste you want from the quality, but you can get the supplemental input you need into your body. And that's what we'll do with uh, one of our guests coming in very shortly. So this is a way to bring in the right supplemental quality into the food that you're eating. That's probably the best way to put it. Then we come to exercise, which we're going to touch on today. That's another factor of how we look after our body. Now, most people would think, oh, surely keeping healthy is just diet and exercise. Well, you notice between those two, we've had one, two, three, four different other areas to consider. So exercise, everything from physical exercise, we'll come to this in a minute, and how we look after our body. So we'll touch on that today. And then the last one is just the mindset, because if your emotional health is distressed, then you've got another stress factor. So stress factor is external, what's going on outside you, but then there's how you physically react to that. If you start to get anxious, if you allow yourself to be overwhelmed, and we all experience it. I've probably had the most pressure on me on a personal level over these last six months than I have done in in maybe a decade or two. And even at my level, I get to a point where my bandwidth, I refer to bandwidth, which is the amount I can physically cope with. And I've got a pretty good capacity for that. But I've reached that point on a few occasions in the last few months. And that, that without a doubt, creates a chemical reaction in your body. And when, if you're very tuned into it, you know how to monitor it, how to depressurize that, how to decompress from that. Otherwise, it builds up and then it has a long-term effect. And we talked about, I think on the last podcast, how a friend of mine had developed cancer over 15, 16 years. And some of that can just be purely down to the manifestation of stress within the body. And again, research, if you go and do your own deep diving on this, you'll start to see the effects of this. So there's six or seven key things there to answer that question, Harms. 
Amazing. And two of those key things, the final two, exercise and mindset, is what we're going to be discussing and deep diving and giving you an awareness or insight on exercise and mindset and within mind specifically, the concept of meditation. So, well, if you're ready, shall we start talking about exercise, which is a, I mean, in today's world with the online marketing space, exercise can be broken down into the tiniest categories, but can we share with the listeners a a go-to or a foundational point in which they can start to develop a exercise habit, a routine, a go-to, or even just an overall awareness, because many people know that exercise is something, i.e., okay, exercise could be walking, it could be running, it could be weightlifting, but they may not understand where that lives within a exercise model or an infrastructure. Good point. Okay. So if I sort of steer through this, you just keep jumping in and adding questions, Harms, because this is very much freestyle unloading of information and we've gathered notes independently just to add to it. But as you probably gather from Harminder and I, we tend to bring information to the table and then bounce off each other in a fresh way so that as he's hearing it, or I'm hearing it from him, I'm thinking about questions I might ask him from my generation and vice versa. So there'll be a combination of ways. So, so let me start with the three areas, if you like, of exercise or structural alignment or exercise and structural alignment. And then I'll just start to drill down a bit. So if, if you're making notes, even if you're going to look at our show notes from today, just think of it as a pie chart, if you like, which is flowing in a circular direction. It's like a wheel moving forward and you are that wheel. You have aerobic exercise anaerobic exercise, and then you have structural alignment. That's the, the simple way to, to look at this from a physical perspective, from an exercise perspective. I'll go through that again. Aerobic, anaerobic, and structural. Now, as you're listening to this, depending if you're a harms generation, you know, the, the younger generation or you're an older generation, it may be that you are focused more on one of these. In reality, and this is what I discovered as I've got older, and by all means, I'm sorry, by no means am I perfect. So when I talk from this perspective, my goal is to find a balance between these areas, but go back to what I've just talked about, sometimes external influences, things that are happening around us, circumstantial changes mean that we don't always get that balance, but our objective is to get the balance across each of these. Aerobic- I think that's a fair point, Ro, before you, before you dive in, because you know me and Ro, uh, we live near each other and- through this time, we've been safely exercising on occasion. But as Ro will know as well, since I had the newborn, we would be bike riding. But now bike riding would fit into one of these areas Ro's just described. But now it's paused. So I think one of the dangers with listeners is, okay, well, you guys, you must nail structural, aerobic and anaerobic all in one week, a perfect week. And I, and I don't think that's the case for absolutely anybody. I think the reality is, the first step is to find awareness of these three these three elements that you're discussing and then just strive towards them. And if you listen to Ro's purpose statement at the end of episode 34 and the part one of the body episodes, you would have heard a purpose statement. And Ro, is it fair to say that this is something you are constantly keeping in top of mind? So you're working towards that. It's never a this is what happens every single day, like clockwork. Is that fair to say? That's exactly right. I mean, when, when the cycling eased off, I don't know if you were in the garden last time you came, but I, a punch bag went up 
and the, the battle ropes came out because I thought, okay, what what can I do to just compensate a little bit while I'm not out on the cycle? Because we used to do quite long cycle rides that would allow me to get keep the aerobic going, but also get some structural in there as well and some physical. So it's about awareness. Harman's, Harman has just put his finger on it. If you're conscious of something, then it's not going off your radar. The minute you lose that consciousness, and that's very much what we're about here with the podcast is bringing that to your consciousness. It kind of, (laughs) what it does, it in theory should stop you in the future saying, oh, I didn't know that because ignorance can't be an argument now Yes, because you've got the awareness. And it's about leverage. Ultimately, if we can be that pivot point, that leverage for you to make a change, albeit a small change or a big change, then we've done our job through the podcast. So aerobic exercise is purely the process of you raising your heart rate, increasing your breathing and pumping that oxygen around your body and getting your cells really pushing out and and working hard. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the running, it's the, the jumping, it's the, it's the process of doing aero- literally aerobics or, or anything to do is cycle rise. If you're, getting that heartbeat up to a certain level and there's interval training. There's a whole bunch of stuff we could talk about, which we're not going to do today, but just being mindful of that. Now, younger people, particularly blokes, tend to, and I, I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, Harms, but the general philosophy I knew when I grew up at 18 years of age, I remember getting a set of dumbbells and a bench in my bedroom. You know, I was reading personal development and I was even back in those days, I mean, now you can go online and instantly on a phone, there's a whole bunch of workout routines I could do on my phone, but I had to go and order a magazine. I ordered a book on how to do a bench press, how to do curls. Anaerobic exercise does not involve you raising your heart rate in the same way an aerobic exercise does. I'm not breathing as intensely and, and stimulating that oxygenated type of exercise. This is now anaerobic, so it's less oxygen to some extent, but I'm working the muscle. So I'm doing a bench press, I'm doing a squat, and I'm doing it to a point where the muscles almost reach failure and I'm tearing the muscles to build them up as an example. So that is from my observation, particularly for young men, is wanting to get their bodies looking pumped and sculpted. So historically, and I'm saying historically here, I think there's a different awareness now, but historically, younger people, particularly men, would go out and try and bulk themselves up, but then didn't want to do the work behind the aerobics. So they wouldn't go running. They wouldn't go out, hit the road. They wouldn't go cycling. I think that's changed. Cross-training has changed that significantly. But the the gym, but even now, if you go to a gym, you'll see a lot of people just pumping. That's all they do. They pump, 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 and they just do a tiny bit of aerobic. I mean, would you say that's still a philosophy in that sort of younger generation, or has that shifted a bit more harms? I think- the philosophy has shifted, i.e. the understanding that we need a combination of aerobic and aerobic. And I don't think many people are aware of the structural. I often hear- Correct. I'll come to that in a minute. Experts speak about this, but I don't think many people are aware of that. But people are aware of aerobic and anaerobic. Now, the question is, what do they do in practice? Because one thing is, of course, having awareness of this. The other thing is practice. So if you went and did your weight session for 45 minutes, how motivated or how consistently do you then tick the aerobic box? Or if, you know, I'm, I do tend to be more in the aerobic category. If I've done a bike ride or I've done a run after 45 minutes of running, how motivated am I to come home and do some squats, to do some push-ups, to do some pull-ups and work on the anaerobic side of things? So I think in practice, it's challenging 
But in reality, I think it's shifted in my generation, the fact that they know they need to have a balance of both. And I think that's represented of some of the best athletes out there, the Cristiano Ronaldo's, the LeBron James, who start to display how they exercise on social media. So people can see that actually they've got a complete balance between anaerobic and aerobic. And ah, that if I want to have a body like that and have that fitness, then I need to work in these two categories. Yeah, I agree. What I think has been a great move in the last five to six years or more maybe, but I think more recent actually than, than further out, although a good friend of mine called Corey Donahue, who we had actually on the podcast recently, he started developing a system for people probably eight, nine years ago. And it was about and this is what I think is a great new way of looking at health and, and fitness was using body weight to create the strength. So now more and more we're seeing people that are doing aerobic style exercises mixed with your own body weight. So the pull-ups, the squats, the, you know, the, the press-ups but the, and the TRX, if anyone's familiar with TRX, that became very popular. I've got a couple and I've always kept one with me when I travel. Add to that your CrossFit exercises. So it's less about bulky, heavy weights, more about using your body as its own mechanism for doing exercise and nurturing tone, strength, aerobic. And I think that's definitely been a big move, but that is also combined with, and this is the third element, if you're making notes, structural. Now, structural, think of it like this. Structural is from your feet upwards. So if the minute you place a foot, and I literally mean a foot or a part of your foot on the ground, you are creating a physical, now this is my engineering background now, you're creating a physical pressure or tension somewhere else in the body. I mean, even the lightest pressure you place on the ground, you get an equal and opposite reaction. It's going back to basic physics. So everything has an equal and opposite reaction. So the minute you place that pressure on your foot, one part of your foot goes into compression, but another part to keep that stability goes into tension. So now we're working on ligaments, tendons, and muscles. Second foot goes down. If you are perfectly balanced, if I was designing you for my older engineering days, we would make sure the load is transferred equally down each column, which will be your legs, equally into the feet, which will be your pad footings, if I was doing a design for this, such that there is no imbalance of load on either side. Why would I do that if I was building you as a structure? Because that load then goes equally up the two first columns, which would be your shins, up into your thigh, you know, thigh bones up there, into your first floor construction, which would be your hips. Second floor structure now needs to be even, which would be your vertical backbone and the rib cage, and up into the third floor now, which would be your shoulders, and then up into the head. Less pressure at the top than the bottom. Any slight weakness in one of those floors, what happens is that load gets redistributed to keep the structure even down one side. So all of a sudden, the right-hand side of the building now has more load going through those joints down into the footing, and the other side has less load because there's a problem in your hips. Is this making sense, Harms? I'm trying to paint a picture here. I, I love that picture because, and I'll think about myself, if I've ever had a knee tweak or a knee injury or a twisted ankle, and I'm now limping or keeping the pressure off that particular load, so say my right leg is injured, I keep my pressure off that then the rest of the body suffers. Yes. The, the, you start to feel it in the back, you feel it in the hip, you feel it in the left knee, you feel it in the left ankle, you feel the tension along the left part of your neck. So I, I love that way of describing it, which hopefully encourages people to 
take their structural part seriously because one of the challenges is during the aerobic or anaerobic exercises injury can happen and now injury means uh, injury is more likely because you haven't taken the structural part seriously that's right and actually I, so i went to have some treatment you might have seen a lie those of you watched about three four months ago now, and i went to see a gentleman called chris who does Rosilo, and we're going to get him onto the podcast as well i think harminder's wife's going to go to see him soon and he has a lovely example in his office where he does his treatments and he's all about just physical movement of the body and it's he talks about i talk about structure of the building but for those of you that don't get that, think of it as a tent. So you, he talks about the, the main poles of the tent. Then you have the fly sheet and then you have the guy, guy ropes that go out and tension. So, you know, you have these muscles, which would be your guy ropes. And those guy ropes, you can tighten and loosen them to get the structure to get to a level of evenness. The, the outside tent effectively is the ligaments and the skin. And then you've got the structure of the tent, which is the poles. And all of these have to be in balance. And what he does with his system of working on the body is he readdresses and he rebalances that. What we do as we get older, as you mentioned, Harms, is as we get injury, because we're as, when we're young, and I'm talking about 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, even 35, maybe up to 40, a lot of pliability, uh, plasticity. Uh, and again, I'm using language that we used to use a lot in our health events and a lot of flexibility. So our bodies have the ability to almost self-adjust. Those guy ropes and the, the sides of the tent, the skin, you know, the, the tension of the, the tent, it can almost self-adjust. But the problem is there's a point where it stops self-adjusting. We're not lubricating it. We're not readjusting it. So it gets locked. Um, instead of looking after it, maintaining it, we leave it there. Get to my age and you try and do the adjustment now and all of a sudden something else goes. You know, I tighten one string, other side of the tent, boom, it snaps because it hasn't been kept flexible. So this whole concept of structure, we completely overlooked during my generation. Yes, people have been doing yoga for years, but yoga used to be sort of, a, oh yeah, yeah. If you used to, if you, if you came to my university back in the 80s, and you went up to the viewing gallery. We had a massive gym. 150 to 200 people could do exercise in there. If it was a, so, so let me ask you, what you th who you thought we saw in there. If I showed you an aerobics class, do you think it was men, a mixture, or mainly women, Harms? What do you think was in there? If I said an so aerobics class would be female. Mainly Correct. Mainly. There was yeah. virtually, I think there's two or three guys out of 150 to 200 people. Um, if I said to you a circuit training class, so lifting weights, pumping, running, sprinting, squat thrust, what do you think the majority of people in there, male or female? My gut feel would be 50-50. Okay. Well, yeah, today, but back in those days, primarily male. It was very regimented, very military style. That's how it used to be back in the early days. Uh, now, CrossFit today, I think you're right, 50-50, because CrossFit has replaced what used to be the old circuit training, but it's a lot more sophisticated. Yoga, what do you reckon, even today? Yoga, maybe 10 females. It, it wouldn't even be in a full class. So, so if you're going into a class, would it be mainly women or men? Yoga. Female. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. So, so this is, this is the perception and you've only, now I see pretty bulky guys in a yoga class and they're struggling because they've worked their muscles to such extreme anaerobic exercise that the muscles are so tight. The whole concept of relaxing those guy ropes, you know, readjusting the tension in the structure, because as they get older, they become these clumpy, bulky, hardly can move type physical states. So 
Yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've got, and you're the same, we've got quite a slender body. So we're able to keep that movement going. And I've, I've, over the years, I've done this balance between all of them. I'm not a massive yoga person, but I do do yoga movements to try and maintain. And I've learned that over the years to do that. So if you said to me, okay, what would be a first default place to go for structure row? Anybody listening to this? Two things, without a doubt. One is yoga and there's different forms of yoga. So remember, there's relaxing forms of yoga right through to some really cool power yoga. Now, the extreme, I, I did some personal training with an Indian yogi in Singapore about five years ago. I was staying in a hotel for about three weeks and there was this top guy there and I thought, sod it, I'm just going to pay the money. And I went and saw this guy and I sort of saw him, I think it was once a day. And he had me doing really traditional yogic movements. And when, when he was saying, right, stretch your fingers out, he's like, I want you to stretch your fingers like this, Dr. Ru, not like this. And I was like, it was just, it was like yeah. tiny movements in my fingers. He said, that's not a stretch. He said, just move. Don't worry about the big physical hard movements. I just want you to move your fingers in such a way that every finger you place down in this move, you are feeling the stretch right from the tip of your fingers right through. Whereas I was just trying to get in and get it done, you know, boom, achiever, yes. <laughs> achiever mode. So very Western society, if you think right. about the West and the East, very Western society is, okay, let's go in. We've got half an hour yoga session, just smash it out. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah do whatever they're going to downward dog or whatever. And then we're out of there. That's right. In the box. I want to um, smack it out, but as opposed yeah. to just, he was like, we're just going to focus on just your hands and your forearms today. I was like, what do you mean? I just want to make sure that you can feel what it feels like to be in the right physical position. Yeah, but I am. I'm kind of, my ass is up in the air. My legs are straight. Surely that's a good downward dog. Yeah. <laughs> he was laughing. So there's these two extremes. You've got the really traditional and then you've got the the modern sort of power version as well. And there's no right or wrong. You've got to go with what feels right for you. But what it does, it gives you the ability to, to stretch this even, you know, downward dog is a classic building that's like a suspension bridge almost where you've got the tension going down the back and the legs and it's anchored. You know, I used to design suspension bridges. The foundations of is, is critical. So where your hands are placed and where your feet are placed, if it's slightly off center, more load goes down one side of the body. So we're compensating all the time. And the other one is core stability exercises, which I think are phenomenal. And I know I'll put my hand up and say, I don't do enough of those. I do them, but not enough of them. And, you know, coming through COVID has been a bit more challenging for a lot of people because of the circumstances and getting into groups to do it. I think, yes, you can do it at home, but I think when you're around a trainer, a coach or another group of people that are doing it, it tends to up your game. So core stability is loads of good stuff online. Watching a video is very different to having somebody coach you on it and making sure you're doing it correctly. So just be mindful of that. I think that's kind of all I want to say on structure at the moment because it's a big subject. Fantastic. And I think final note on structure is a, if you think about people who do it very well or trainers that do structure very well is probably be the gymnasts because the gymnasts work right. on those micro movements and their complete focus is on the structure first, the flexibility in order for you to be able to do those amazing moves that they do they don't sacrifice the structure to be able to do those moves. In fact, it's strengthening the structure, the flexibility and the movement in order to do that. And there's some fantastic gymnasts out there who are also hitting social media to help encourage people to focus on structure because it's also the non-sexy part row. Out of those three things, aerobic is sexy, it's the running, it's the cycling, anaerobic is sexy, it's the squats, it's the deadlifts, you know, you know, that 100, 200 kg deadlift, where structure is not that sexy because it is those, sometimes those micro movements, although yoga is now becoming mainstream, that in-depth understanding of, okay, where each finger is placed is 
uh, creating a balance in my body, that, that flexibility that's been created is sort of neglected. I think structure out of those three elements is one of those which, Definitely. correct me if I'm wrong, you will feel when you're 50, 60, 70, when you're like, yeah. I can't even touch my toes. I that's can't right. squat. Why can't I squat? It's not because of the anaerobic. It's because of the structure is now so used to sitting on a chair. The posture is damaged. I think if we step back and take a really spiritually introspective look at this, of the three areas, structure, if I, if I had to put another word around it, would be about presence. So it's a subject in its own right. I think it's one worthy of a podcast, actually, for us to talk about. You've been witness on several occasions, Harms, both as an, an audience member, but also working alongside me and some of our great team to show people how to develop presence. And it's been emotionally, yeah, to watch it, it's emotionally uplifting. But being present with your body without needing to push it a weight because the minute you push a weight you're focusing on the weight the minute you're doing an aerobic you're trying to hit a certain heart rate a certain distance you know you're pushing the boundaries whereas yoga is literally about placing your intention on a very specific area of your body or into a void because you're moving into a form of meditation and that means time that means pressing the pause button slowing down and not rushing. And that's why I think, you know, you're spot on. It's one of those areas that gets neglected in a modern world. But if we went to an Eastern country or one of the countries which traditionally has always put value on that, I mean, China's a classic example. You see people in the morning going out and doing qigong or whatever, and they just take the time. There's no rush. They don't rush to work. They take the time to do it. Mm, absolutely. So I think that's a fantastic foundation for anybody maybe new to exercise or has been exercised for many years, but you're focused on one of these areas and you're you're neglecting maybe the other two, structural, anaerobic or, an, or aerobic, depending on what, what part you're playing in. I know personally, I am very much in the aerobic area. So this is a nice reminder for me that actually there's two other areas which I need to be conscious of and actually work within. Now, Ro, I know there's something incredibly cool that you've been sharing with your students and delegates who come to attend your live transformational events, your turning point event, your health event. And on occasion, if there's small workshops, etc., this is the kind of stuff you'll share with them. And one of the things I know you speak about is a concept or a practice called rebounding. Now, many people may, I mean, when I first learned about it through you, I was not aware that that was a thing or a practice. So would you mind sharing with our listeners what that is and some cool tips or tactics around that and how they can get started with that. Yeah. So this, it was a tricky one when we were talking about this podcast is, you know, where do you go with it? You can talk about all oh, so many exercises and rebounding is not a novelty now, but when I started talking to about it, it was, and, and I learned it through my own study of other people that are doing this out there. So, you know, you know, I, I say thank you to the universe for bringing that to my attention and we've, you know, we've had rebounders now in our house for some years, albeit at the moment they're actually in the storage room because the house is being renovated. But it's something that can be brought out and used on a daily basis, or at least for those of you listening, a relatively regular basis. In fact, when we went traveling, I think I'd, it was possibly before, just before I met you, Harminda, but we went traveling for a couple of years 
the rebounder was part of one of the things we took with us. I've got a very dear friend of mine who's probably in his 60s now. Actually, I'd like to get him onto our podcast. I might reach out to him. He's based in Australia. He actually runs workshops around the world on the body, body mechanics, and how you can make slight tweaks of a muscle and it can trigger the behavior of another part of the body. Amazing individual. He's called, his, name's, his name's called Mike and, Michael Nixon Levy. He actually, if you look at my book, Turning Point Harms, and you look at the message or the testimonial on the front cover, I think that's from Michael. So okay. he, he literally has rebounders around the world. So when he flies into a country to where he's running a workshop, he has a rebounder there. When he came to visit us a couple of times, probably my daughter was like two, one or two years of age, and he drove across Europe. He had a rebound in the back of his car. I mean, he's the inspiration for me to start to think like that. So, and he, you know, he's a hugely fit person at 65 now, probably. And every, every morning he'd get up and he'd, re, and he was, he kind of literally catapulted me to learn this practice. So I have to take my hat off to him as well for that. So, what is rebounding? In simple terms, a rebounder is just, and again, jump in at any point to ask for clarification, Harms. Mm -hmm. But a, a rebounder is just a trampoline. For anyone, if you're familiar with it, they're these baby trampolines. Now, I always used to think they're a kid's thing, but actually, rebounding is a science. And try and put this in context. Let me try and step back a bit. When you do free weights, when you use a treadmill, when you're going on a weights machine or a step machine, or you're doing circuit training, or you're doing running, or you're doing some kind of home exercise on a machine at home, what you're basically doing is you're introducing three principles. And again, pause me if I'm going too fast on this harms, but you're working with gravity. So you're working against gravity. If you're lifting a weight, you're working against gravity. If you're running on a treadmill, you're working with and against gravity. Okay. So it's pulling you down and you're moving against it. So you're working the body. Number two, you are moving weight. So if you're lifting a weight, you're moving a weight there. If you're running or you're jogging, uh, you're cycling, you're moving a weight horizontally if you're cycling, up and down if you're running. The third principle is that you are stressing the body physically. Actually, you're stressing the cells to be specific. You're actually physically moving the cells because every cell in your body, any time you're doing a movement, is being stressed in compression meaning that it's being squeezed, or tension, meaning that you're now lifting up. I mean, you're running, and as you come off the ground, that moment when you leave the ground, you've never really heard me talk about this stuff before, have you? I don't no, think. No, this, this is exciting. <laughs> so just, just to clarify for the listeners, when you are doing, I guess, you know, conventional exercises, free weights, treadmill, circuit training, running, et cetera, these three things happen to you, or you are working right. against these three things, yes. which is gravity, weight, and stress. So that makes total sense. So, so what's the next stage? Where are you taking this? So, so where I'm taking this is that there is one common body part in all of this, and these are our cells. So every cell in our body, when we do an exercise, is either under compression it's being squeezed or it's being stretched. And so we're, our objective here is to get those cells working because you know, we talk about muscle memory, cellular memory, and we want to get every little part of our body at a cellular level moving because it all interacts together to work in harmony, so right down into our gut, our intestines, everything. And that includes, by the way, our lymphatic system, which we'll come to. So if you look at it from this perspective, let, let me share something with you. We'll talk about G-forces. Now, Let's put some science behind a rebounder. So the principle behind rebounding really got catapulted 
when NASA was sending people off into space. Now, when somebody goes into space, what's the fundamental thing that becomes missing is gravity. Mm. And our bones, our muscles, every part of us, because we're on this earth, we are bound by gravity. So being pulled down, gravity uh, pull, we are working against gravity. That's what keeps us strong. It allows our muscles to keep growing. This is why structure is so important for those of you that are listening that are older. This is why- so, if I, so if I jump in here then, if they don't have gravity, then what we're saying is they will experience atrophy with in regards to these cells become less and less strong, less and less powerful. Is that fair to say then? Correct. And this is what NASA found. So for those of you that are listening that are older, my generation, if you are not going and doing anaerobic exercise, in other words, you're not stressing your muscles and pushing pressure onto your structural elements of your body, you're actually going to become weaker in so many, and again, go and look into this yourself, but so many different ways, which is why you see a lot of frail, for want of a better term, older generation people, because they haven't done this. They've stopped. They've become lazy and the chair has been, become one of the biggest dangers to all of us is sitting down at a computer, sitting down on the toilet, sitting down to have dinner, sitting down to travel somewhere. Now, we never used to do that. We would run, we would walk, we would stretch, we'd pick fruits from app from trees and keep our upper body stretched. We would squat down to pick things up. If you go to India, you go to Africa, you go to the Eastern, uh, or go to Asia, for example, or even into places like the Middle East, when you go to a bus stop, people are sat squat down. We, you, most people can't even squat with their feet flat now because our bodies have become lazy. So yeah. whole big subject. And I actually brought a specialist in who taught this, just taught on one of our events, how to properly squat to get your body re-engaged right down to the core of your, uh, your base of your spine. So what... NASA discovered is by sending people up into space, exactly what you said, the astronauts atrophied. And, and, and atrophy is where the muscles are not working anymore. They, they start to waste away because there's no gravity pull on them. So when you are bouncing on a rebounder, a general bounce creates 1.25 times gravity at the bottom of the bounce. So you're adding 25% of the gravitational or gravitational force on the body, which means your body now can actually work harder at the bottom of the bounce. So the G-force was up to 3.5 to 4 times G when a softened movement occurred. So when somebody starts to bounce on a consistent basis, it's creating this really great pressure on the body. But unlike a treadmill, where I'm going boom, 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 while I'm running. And if I'm running right now, we, we won't get into barefoot because you and I are big followers of barefoot as well. If you watch a barefoot mm. runner, they have this gentle sort of movement where they're not hitting the ground like that. What they found was that when they brought people back from space and they put them onto treadmills and they started to get their fitness levels up because they've been atrophied, their muscles have been wasting their strength, they were getting injuries. They were getting this uh, stress repetition, for want of a better word. Whereas, so they had to find something different and they explored and they discovered that the concept of using trampolines and then down to small trampolines, if they did the exercise right, they could glide up and down, but still get the muscles, the structure, the cells experiencing an accelerated G, which accelerated their physical recovery. And I'll, I'll read you a quote if that's okay. Can I read a quote from NASA? Yeah, please, because I think this is fascinating. So what NASA said was this, the external work output at equivalent levels of oxygen uptake was significantly greater while trampolining 
than running. So not only did they find it had a physical benefit in terms of helping the muscle and the structure of the body start to strengthen without the impact, notice the emphasis there, they also started to find that the oxygen take-up by trampolining was significantly greater than running. So now you've got an anaerobic and an aerobic benefit here as well. The greatest difference was about 68%. This makes it possible to exercise the entire body knowing that there is no undue pressure applied to any part of the body, such as the feet, the ankles and the legs because of this soft action. And at the same time, knowing that each part of the body Each part, remember, cellular level, is receiving the necessary environmental stresses it needs to become stronger. This is NASA, end of quote, cell by cell. How powerful is that, man? Does that make sense, what I've just said there? That makes total sense. And and the greatest difference was about 68% is, is massive. So I'm watching this, and sorry for the pause there, Ro, but I was looking at Amazon thinking, okay, what's the best rebounder out in the market? Because yeah, let me get I know you mentioned this in the past. Mm. I know you mentioned this in the past. And it's actually, it's a great reminder that, and it's almost going back to a, a principle that I love, which is the 80-20 principle, which is when health is being discussed or when nutrition is being discussed, it's almost how can we get the best bang for our buck? How can we do a sensible amount within our 24-hour window that we have. And the buck is the time. Make- You're talking about time, aren't you here? Well? Time. Yeah. I'm talking about the time here because at the end of the day, we do have jobs, we have businesses, we have busy- we've got newborn babies, we've got house renovations, we've got all of this stuff which happens around us. So how can we keep health simple but get the maximum benefit from being sensible and being really smart about what we actually do? So what Rose describing here through rebounding is exactly that, being extremely smart or how NASA describes it, 68% smarter. So on that note then, think about what Harminder's talking about. That's why we chose this as the subject for the area of exercise because there's so many other ones we could talk about, but it's unusual. It's been studied and it's fun. And I think that's another factor here that hasn't, and I'll come to that to summarize. So can I, I just want to layer on some of the background research behind this, which people can go and do for themselves as well. But I need to caveat this and say, and Harms has picked up on a very important point. You get the wrong rebounder and actually you can injure yourself. So I, I want to just talk about that at the end to explain, because we, when I used to run live events on this, Harms, we would demonstrate it. I'd bring in a poor, cheap quality rebounder versus a more expensive one and demonstrate it and let people actually feel it for themselves. Because obviously people say, well, can I save some money on this? But frankly, a gym subscription these days is what, 40, 45, maybe 50 pound a month. You know, cheap end of a rebounder market is maybe 35 to 40. Whereas if you pay double that or a little bit more, if you want to go to the higher end, you're paying, you know, in excess of potentially 200 pounds, which is maybe three months of gym membership. But now you've got yourself a really cool rebounder, but we'll come to that at the end. Okay, so let me give you a bit more facts, but stop me at any point. Okay, so what were some of the findings, not just from NASA, but generally for studies that done on this? And I'll just give you this so you can make, make a note or get yourself excited. So the principles and the key physical benefits. Number one, the whole body gets exercised at a cellular level. Even my head, you know, if you, if you ever watch something on a rebounder, you'll see the face moving up and down because now a facial muscle, and, and actually this exercise we used to demonstrate where if you are 
rebounding, you can actually tense the face. You can create tension in the face whilst you're rebounding. So now you get a resistance to the rebound, or you can simply let your face be loose and allow the muscles to be stretched and the cells to be stretched. So every single cell is involved in the exercise. Whereas if I do a bicep curl, what I'm really working is my arms, possibly some shoulder, definitely some back, and maybe some on my core. But unlikely that, you know, above that, my my neck and my my face is being exercised, maybe a bit of my legs, but it's the main focus is actually at the muscle group. Whereas when you're rebounding, everything is being worked because it's involved in the movement up and the movement down. Okay. There are 75 approximately, again, I'm using generic numbers here, but there's 75 trillion cells in your body. Think about that for a minute, expanding and contracting all at the same time. When you move to the bottom of the travel, they're compressing, they're contracting. When you go up into the air and you start to reach the peak at the top, they're going through that contraction into an expansion, every single cell. Why? Because that's physics. They can't be anywhere else. You know, there's a muscle. I can't have a cell in my forearm suddenly disappear while I'm in the middle of that exercise. <laughs> it's either going up or down. It's either being compressed or it's being contracted or it's been expanded, which is brilliant. It increases the weight of gravity. So on every single cell, somewhere between 60 to 100 times a minute. So you're getting accelerated exercises, which is what NASA found to get these astronauts back into a strong physical state quickly. It was a rapid way of doing it without... And of course, if it can work for an astronaut, why can't it work for us on a daily basis? It strengthens all muscles, internal and skeletal. So everything that's going on in your stomach, right? So think about the organs and everything that's going internally. Then you move out to, you know, the muscles that are holding the skeleton together, right up to the head. Everything's being moved. It's isometric and it's isotonic. So, yeah, you know, you've either got isotonic. Tonic, which is basically the concept of moving like a dumbbell press or a dumbbell curl where you're moving a muscle up and down. It's compressing the muscle. You're stretching it. So you can do that. So on a, here's an example, right? On a rebounder, you can take a small weight, like a one and a half, two kilo weight, depending on your body strength. And as you're rebounding, listen to this harms, I can do curls. So I can actually move up and down and imagine what happens when I get to the bottom of a run and I'm bouncing up if I'm doing a curl. Now I'm accelerating G on the weight. So it now increases it by one, one and a half, two times, depending on how much weight and how much movement I'm doing. So I can do that. I can actually have a, a the same feeling on the muscles as if I'm doing a curl or isometric, which is where you can keep. So I've done this as well over the years. You can simply hold the dumbbell in the same fixed position or even forget double. I remember being in Spain, which took no weights with us when we were living in Spain for about 10 months. And I had a rebounder there. And all I did was I used to bounce up and down with my my fists clenched as though I was doing a dumbbell curl. Now, you imagine going up and down like that. All that happens now is the tension is on the muscle. It's isometric, so it builds a different type of strength into the muscle. Did the same thing with my shoulders. I had my arms as if I was doing a press, bounced up and down. After a while, my shoulders were knackered 100 times a minute. Phenomenal. I'm not actually physically moving at all. I'm just going up and down. The G is doing the work for me. You'll like that. Exactly. So, listen, so those listening at home, think bang for buck. How can we get the maximum impact <laughs> from doing a simple it's extremely simple, but also it's also counterintuitive because again, when we went to that core question at the start, which is, isn't this simple? And I think when people do complicate it, it, it is, yeah, but 
running yeah but what about running yeah but what about you know the bicep bicep curls what about getting the dumbbells etc what about the gym membership so this is a form of complexity in the sense that you're learning something new but it's extremely simple because we're talking about a micro or mini trampoline uh, and we'll talk about i guess which is the best kind to look at without mentioning names because we're not sort of affiliated with anything anybody so yeah i love it think bang for buck well, okay, so so this is this is where it gets interesting because you know you talk about running and that. If you've never used one, let me give an example. I remember years ago when we first demonstrated this, I had people that you know fairly strong guys. And they were like, "Yeah, but what about press up, uh, sit ups?" I said, "Okay, here's what you do. A, a rebounder is a vehicle. You just it's a tool. So so you line the rebounder with your bum down on the rebounder. So it's a mini trampoline, remember? And you go into a slight bend like a banana. And so you put the tension as though you're doing an exercise." for a sit-up, but it's a it's like a core stability exercise where it's like a plank, but in reverse, and you're doing that kind of central core holding of the stomach muscles. Now you gently, and I mean freaking gently, just rock up and down. You just, you almost, all you have to do to calm is just tension and relax your buttocks. And that movement up and down immediately transfers to your stomach. Now you do that 30 or 40 times. That's like doing 30 or 40 press up, uh, sit-ups. And people were burning out. They were just burning out completely. So there's some really clever, subtle things you can do to to isolate a muscle group. Same thing you talk about squats. If somebody wants to squat, put heavy weights on their back. I challenge anyone to sit on a stand on a rebounder in a squat position and then slowly bounce up and down. Because what you're effectively doing is putting G-force through your buttocks and you're going up and down 30, 40, 50, 60 times a minute. Your bum just gets burnt out really quickly. It's phenomenal. It targets muscles groups if you want it to do that. Amazing. So it increases flexibility uh, in a natural movement. It's aerobic and boy, it burns calories. Listen to this. This is what NASA found. It burns calories 11 times faster than walking, five times faster than swimming, which is pretty knackering, and three times faster than running. Think about that for a minute. That's huge. That is huge. So you're not going out. You have to go out and run but you can burn three times as many calories by just by doing 10 to 30 minutes a day. So what traditionally we've done is like a small part in the morning and, and then something in the afternoon. But I got to a point and we may get it back up in the office actually, where it, it was just there. You were at an event with me about three or four years ago, Harms, where we had it at the back of the room. Do you remember? Um, yeah. And if anybody could try it and yeah. use it. Yeah. So on the health events, we used to have three or four around the room. Now, if you're in an office about vitality on our part one. If you jump on that rebounder for even five minutes and get off it, every cell is vibrating. It's the craziest thing. It literally changes your energetic state because what you've done is for five minutes, let's say you're doing 60 a minute, you've done 300 bounces over five minutes. Every cell is just in a totally different vibrational state. You feel pumped. Your brain feels stimulated. Your brain cells have been moving as well. Everything. It's a phenomenal tool. I'm going to pause Amazing. for a minute. Any questions? Amazing. On that? <laughs> no, I think that was really clearly explained. It makes sense. And I think by highlighting some of the advantages of rebounding, it gives someone who's maybe looking for something different, something exciting to re-motivate themselves to start exercising again in any of those categories that we spoke about. So I, what I'm loving about this is it gives somebody something fresh and new to experiment with. And if that's the reason for them to get back into exercise, then I think we've done a great job. Excellent. And and again, you know, seek advice. Where you've got to be mindful is if you've got any physical 
limitations, i.e. you might have an injury or possibly a joint challenge or something with your feet, for example. And that's not to say you can't do it, but this is where you might just need to take a bit of guidance because most people think rebounding is about jumping up and down. Actually, it doesn't have to be like that. And I'll wrap up by explaining a few things. Let me just talk about the benefits that have been shown from rebounding, if that's all right, just to give them a bit more of a kind of a a health spin on this outside of the physical physical side of what it does. So detoxification, I personally think, when I looked into this, is singly one of the most important things. Now, we haven't talked about this. It's an old subject for another podcast, possibly. But you have the blood system, which is pumped by the heart. That's what basically moves the oxygen around the body, the minerals, etc., through the blood system. We have this amazing thing we call the heart, and that's constantly going all the time. You've got the parasympathetic system. You've got this whole system of the body that's just constantly just, just there, even while I'm talking. It does it without me thinking. Where the body struggles is to remove toxicity. Now, yes, we've got, uh, you know, the blood system does do that to some extent. We've got the urinary tract. We've got, you know, we can poo. We've got the liver, the kidney. Everything's working in harmony together. But what most people aren't aware of is the lymphatic system, which sits all the way around our body. And it only moves by physical it only works by physical movement. So it doesn't have a pump. It needs the body to move so that, the, I don't know if this makes sense. As I explain it, tell me if I'm explaining for you to understand it, Hans, but the tension in the muscles around the body that contract and relax and contract and relax, they put pressure along with gravity onto this set of tubes, for want of a better explanation, called the lymphatic system. And those tubes get tightened, if you like, squeezed around and then relaxed. Uh, The same way you might hold a hose that's got no water coming through it, but it's got water in it. If I squeeze the hose, you'll see a bit of water come out the end of the hose. Does that make sense? Yep. If I relax the hose, some of the water at the other end of the hose then kind of gets pulled down a little bit. If I squeeze the hose again, even though there's no tap on, you see a bit more water come out the hose. Oh, that's interesting. That's kind of how the lymphatic system works. It needs physical movement to squeeze and contract and to pull toxicity through the lymphatic nodes, and then actually does disperse it out into the blood system and it allows certain toxins to get out. So first of all, does that make sense before I go any further, that description? Because I'm trying to say That makes sense. So, so, so what we're saying here is that the lymphatic system needs stimulation in Correct. order to detoxify. And one of the great ways to do that, you know, it could be running, it could be walking, but what we're saying is using this example of rebounding is that this is one of the biggest benefits in the fact that you can detoxify and get those toxins out of your body. And if anybody just wants to check lymphatic system, it is purely there to remove these toxins from your body. Yeah. And the nice, you talked about running their harm. So walking and running, definitely a good walk in the morning will certainly help. But, you know, if you want to accelerate things and get the other benefits we talked about already. So, if you take a glass of water early in the morning, which we talked about previously and ideally alkalized it, then you went on a rebounder or you went for a run or a walk. But let's say you go on the rebounder, that 60 to 100 bounces per minute, I would say 80 to 90% of the time, if not more, you're going to find yourself going to the toilet after the rebounding session. Mm-hmm. And it will be a number one or a number two because your body will be literally going, oh, thank you so much. You've moved me. I've been lying down all night. All of a sudden, there's this great movement. Gravity's working. Anything that was maybe blocked up a little bit or you know hadn't had enough hydration there, now the body is being moved. The cells are being moved, the muscles, and just the organs are being moved including that lower colon. Remember, the major colon is where everything's starting to move through. 
then it starts to release. Amazing. And then how you would see this benefit is, you know, you have an increased vitality the next day. Or if you do this consistently, your body is staying clear of toxins on a regular basis. So you feel feel more vital. You have a greater energy throughout the day. You start to become your best self. So although we are uh, describing some of the benefits in regards to, you know, some of the health benefits, some of the benefits that happen to your organs and your systems internally, the true benefit that we're going to start to feel though is the fact that we feel greater. We have a vitality. We have a better standard of life. We wake up and we're more alert. We have higher concentration. These are all the kind of things that somebody will actually experience by detoxification via this method. Yeah. And people go take drugs to get a buzz. Well, if you go for a rebounder, you get a buzz and you <laughs> and you clear out so you're emptying yeah. your body out of toxins which may have made you felt luggy you're taking hydration behind that which we talked about so you're flushing out the pipes in the system now putting clean a clean lean burn in there and you're feeling better i mean other areas i'm not going to detail but the liver detoxifies it improves bowel movement it stimulates the internal organs i talked about the thyroids the adrenals it increases oxygen flow to the brain and all the major organs so keep that in mind and oddly enough and this is i think a benefit that i started to notice uh, and this is great for kids as well is it improves your balance your rhythm and your dexterity because you're now what we're talking about before was about this movement of i started by saying your structure now you're putting the load down through your feet so it's teaching you to get that balance it's allowing the different parts of the body to to balance out and the muscles to work instead of you putting an emphasis on one side it's hard to cheat a rebounder when you land you have to land evenly otherwise you're going to bounce off to one side or the other and, mm. and I've done that. I mean, I've, I've done it. I've tested it in the early days where I said, well, what if I try and put weight on one side, then it tends to throw you off. It's like it pushes you off the rebounder and, Amazing. It, and it can be used anywhere. And if you said to me benefits, you stick it at home, you start bouncing. It, you know, if you get one that's folding, you could take it with you. Or if you've got a big enough car, you don't need a folding one. It really is a bloody cool tool. Amazing. So right, that, that leads us on to there where you just mentioned folding is what kind of types are there on the market that somebody could look into? I think we should, shouldn't mention any names. We're not affiliated with anybody in that sense, but it allows somebody just to say, okay, well, these are maybe the two or three different types in the market. Which one does Roe use? Yeah. Is it worth that extra couple of hundred quid? Well, actually, yeah, you've talked about affiliation. Maybe what we should do is reach out to a few companies that we know that we trust to see if they're okay for us to, to talk about them more specifically. We could put it in the notes later on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that'd be worth looking at. But essentially- let's put it into types for a good way as you've asked there's three types there's the elastic which is the preferred for me the elastic rebounder which is essentially the quietest one and then you go through to the spring or we'll come back to this in a minute the spring which is a physically mechanical uh, metal spring action which is your typical big trampolines you often hear people going bouncing up and down that's your spring rebounder and then you get a folding rebounder which is typically a spring rebounder so let me recap you've got elasticated spring and folding now typically the elasticated is the most expensive the cheapest will be the spring and the folding spring will be somewhere between an elastic and a standard spring so what's a typical price range so you're your elastic, I mean, I use a German brand myself. The elastic rebounders will range somewhere between two, 250 pounds, as I'm recording this, 250 pounds plus. You can get cheaper. 
uh, but two to 250 pounds up to about 500 pound plus. And I wouldn't go for the most expensive. I do happen to have one of ours is the most expensive one the company I use bought, but that's because we went for I think it was a stainless steel, slightly bigger diameter, and we were traveling a lot with it. So I kind of made that call on it. But actually, for most of what you do, and I went for a slightly bigger diameter, you don't need to spend that much money. Now, the benefit here is that you're working with a an, an, an elastic, which is very even and very quiet. So as you bounce, you don't get that kind of loud springy sound that you can get, not always, but you can generally get from a, a spring one. And the action is a lot smoother. You just notice it. It feels more even underfoot and you can even, and this is the lovely thing about it. So I have two sets of spring uh, elastics that we bought when we bought this, depending on your body size harm. So you and I would use a, a slightly lighter weight elastic, whereas someone who's maybe twice our size can still use the rebounder, but buy a slightly stronger elastic. So it can be modified according to your body weight, which is why the benefits of these are so good. All right, but you are paying more. Now, if you want to get into this to start with, that might not be the best place to go unless you've got enough funds to do that. So your next point of call, if you want to go to the next price point would be a folding spring one. Now, actually, our folding spring one went missing when we went and did all of our travels. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, we had one outside for literally three or four years out on a decking and it finally got very rusty even though I used to oil it. But folding spring is basically a, and we're talking, by the way, if you said to me, what sort of diameter are these things? Your typical diameters are between 100 and about 120, 130 centimeters for an elastic one. For your typical spring or folding spring, you're looking at 90 to 100 centimeters diameter. So that gives you- So nine, they're not big, they're quite discreet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're quite discreet. In the corner of your house. Exactly. Yeah. And so some, the elastic ones, and I will say this, the elastic ones don't have the flexibility of a folding one in that you can close it down. You have to leave it up. And typically the elastic ones come with legs that screw in and they have to stay up. So you've got to find a place to place them. Probably not ideal if you've got a, a flat, uh, a small flat. Whereas the spring ones, let's go to folding. Folding ones allow you to fold it in half and put it away, take it out, put it back up again. The legs also fold flat. So it's kind of, it pulls out, clips into place, boom. And what you've got is uh, uh, something that can tuck away nicely or you could fold the legs down and just place it against the wall. So that they are the two types that I've traditionally used. The third one, and this is where the, and by the way, folding ones, I would be not paying anything less than a hundred pounds personally, if you're listening to this. Again, you can get some that are cheaper, but I'll explain why in a minute, why you might want to avoid that. Spring, and I don't want to give you brand names. Spring ones are typically anywhere from about 30 or 40 pounds to 300 pound plus. I would say to get you into a reasonably good tapered spring, we'll come to this in a minute, tapered spring, spring rebounder, you're looking at 85 to 100 pounds up to 200, 300 pounds, but you can start at about 85 to 90, 100 pounds. That should get you what's called a tapered spring rebounder. And again, about 90 to 100 centimeters diameter. So let's talk about these springs. There's two types of spring. The cheaper models have a non-tapered spring in them which means they're all completely the same diameter spring. And the problem with that is when the load, when it, when you stretch it and then it closes, in other words, it comes to the end of its travel, the spring just shuts, literally comes to a snapping sound. So it goes stretch and then it snaps, stretch, snap, stretch, snap. And unfortunately that snapping sound creates an energetic block. It's a little bit like a slight hitting a that. It's hard to explain it, but 
you've got 40, 50, 60 springs or however many, you imagine all of them coming to a sudden end, boom. So it's a little bit like you and I jumping up on a hard floor. Does that make sense, Harms? Yeah, or you think spring bed. So you think spring you're jumping on your spring mattress and it's yeah, yeah. so noisy, that's probably the thing that's coming into mind. Correct. And it's not just the noise, it's the fact that the energy has no way of tapering itself out. So it comes to a stop, boom. Tapered springs have been designed to allow the energetic transfer between going down and back up again to soften the blow. They're somewhere between an elastic and a, and a completely normal spring. And they work. They're quieter, as you just mentioned there, but they also taper the energetic flow. So you, the curve is more sinusoidal in the way the energy flows from down to up. So it's worth paying the extra money to get a rebounder that has tapered springs and you don't have that snapping action. A lot of people in the early days that went out and bought cheap rebounders found themselves with long-term knee injuries. Okay. It was all right for the first couple of months because they were going up and down all the time, 50, 60 times a minute, hundred times a minute. And there's this little snapping action with the springs. It was having an impact, tiny little micro shocks into the knees. And again, I, you've got to go do your research. I'm not here to give you advice on this, but that's what we found. And speaking to a lot of people that are in the industry, they all agree the same thing. So that's kind of the three ranges. I don't know if that helps or not. Okay, I think that's useful for a listener who wants to act on this quickly and they're saying, okay, I've really neglected my exercise. I want to get started. I want to try something new. And what you've described here with rebounding and how that plays a role in all, actually all three areas, structural, aerobic, and anaerobic, that sounds like the place that I want to spend some time exploring. So if that's the case, then you've had a description of all three types. I know which one I would tend to, probably the elastic, having used Rose Elastic one, that's my personal preferred choice. Then it's a case of, you know, just investing, giving it, giving it a go, trying it out and start to see if you start to see those benefits personally for yourself and how it compares to maybe exercises that you are just bored of. Maybe you are a regular exerciser, you're just getting bored, frustrated with the same old thing, then this is a great way to start so yeah and, thanks and it's, it's fun it's fun that's the other thing to remember and just on the on the note with the springs the tapered springs are nearly always longer because it's about that dissipation of energy so yes you might save yourself 30 40 pound go for a cheaper one but i just my experience is it's not yeah you know, i know people that have had them in the past when they went over to the elastic or the tapered it was a, a significant difference but it is about consistency as well so 15 10 15 minutes at a time. Don't need to do more than that to start with. Even five minutes to start with and doing two two or three times a day or two sets of 10 minutes. Yeah, um, because it would be like any other exercise. When you first start to run after never running before or after a big gap, you know, you're running 10 minutes and you're like, okay, I'm done. You go back yeah, into a walk. Exactly. Um, to 15. And yeah. And it, it will increase over time. And, and look, there, there are so, I mean, now I think on YouTube, if you look, you'll see some cracking examples of how to use them. It, it, just to give some pointers here, basic exercise, don't think jumping, all right? Don't think your classic trampoline jumping. Start with a heel to toe. We call it a heel to toe, toe jog, which is where you basically go up and down, alternating between heel and toe on each foot. So you're almost not leaving the rebounder at all. There's almost constant pressure. And that's what I used to show people to start with. And even now, you know, if I've had a break from it for a while, I'll go back and do that first. That's enough. Literally, you're rocking so that as you come to the top of your lift and you start to come back down again, your toe is still just on the rebounder. And then you come back down again and it's kind of into your heel flat toe and back up again. You'll get, it'll feel natural. That's like a walking action. You can then do a lifting your leg. So then you start to lift one leg 
off off the rebounder and you put your weight on the other one and you alternate like that that's a little bit like a, a light jog but again you're not actually jogging you're just doing this movement that works really well there's another cool one where you can literally swing like a pendulum so you swing one leg off off to the side and you put your weight on your left side and you land down gently there and then as you swing back your weight comes up and then you put the weight down to your right side and then your left leg swings up and that's working all down one side. It does abdominal work on the left-hand side. There's so many things you can do. You can do a really simple one, which is a heel and toe. You put your hands in a press position above your shoulders. So your arms are going out 90 degrees to your body. And then your forearms are going vertically up and clench your fist. And you just bounce up and down like you're holding some weights. And I tell you, if you just did that heel and toe for like 10 minutes, your shoulders would feel like they're burning. So loads of simple exercises you can do to get going. Okay, well, I love that description. And what I'm really pleased about is I know that you know this because you've worked with experts in the space and you've also experienced using a rebounder and having come to your house, it's not quite a rebounder, it's a trampoline. I guess it's a a 10 exercise rebounder, which is elastic and (laughs) it's amazing. And when I jumped on it with the kids and I was like, wow. And And they are just so used to it in the sense that they're spending you know, half an hour at a go, 45 minutes in a go. And they're like, come play, come play on the, on the trampoline, come play on the trampoline. It is a super elastic, amazing uh, trampoline, which is just a larger version of a rebounder, I guess. And I'm five minutes on there and I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, I need a break now. I need a, I need a break. Uh, I can't keep up with you guys. Whereas that, so, and actually if you're a parent, you'll know this. And by the way, Harl Minder's referring now to a, a spring free trampoline. So this is an Australian design that we have in the back garden, mm, which is amazing. Cut. Yes, it's not the same number of repetitions as you might have on a rebounder, but it's still an opportunity for the kids to actually play and do exercise at the same time. Absolutely. But, but here, here's some context. You know, I, I run, I was climbing at the time, we were cycling, but even then when I went onto the spring-free trampoline, I felt it within five minutes. It was a different feeling of energy and exertion required, and I felt great. But within that five minutes, I felt like I'd been working out for 30 minutes. So I think this for the listeners is a definite, definite go-to, especially when we don't know if there's going to be another lockdown. We don't know how comfortable people are going to be going, wanting to go to the gym or some of those free park exercise equipments. If you are not comfortable doing that, or you feel slightly reserved about doing it at the moment, or you want a way for your children or teenagers, et cetera, to exercise in a safer environment one of these just lives in your house and that's another way to think about trying this differently because it's really hard to go for a run right now it's really hard to go to those park exercise equipment gyms and a lot of them are taped off you know we're walking around our local area a lot of them are still taped off we saw one yesterday where where the kids ones were completely taped off that's right so the kids couldn't use it whereas they had something cool like this in the house this would be fun and i think that's a that's a useful word that you mentioned now i'm going to throw a curveball in here because i think it was incredibly useful to describe how we've described the rebounding and using this form of exercise which ticks the box of aerobic anaerobic and structural for the listeners because this will be completely new to so many people or they may have been aware of it but never really understood it the benefits of it in order to maybe make the investment and try it out so i thank you Ro, for diving deep into did, that did, only I, people, did i get carried away i think you were, <laughs> I, I think but in a in a in a way that was useful for the listeners right. because your listeners who attend so if you're listening to this at home 
this kind of information typically Roe only shares very, very true. with his live audiences. That's, very That's true. the reality of it, right? You would be there, you'd have an expert demonstrate it. They would go through all the moves. You would talk about the benefits. You would pull up the studies, the quotes. And, you know, what we've described in an hour and 20 minutes will actually be extended two hours. People will then have a go. You, like you said, on your event, there's four or five around. Yeah. No doubt people will go and try it, have their five minutes, see what that feels like. And <laughs> maybe rushing to the toilet after after their first detoxification after many, many years. But the reality is, I think it's useful that you shared this with them. And I think the listeners will be listening to saying thank you, because especially that's normally shared within private closed doors. Because also as hosts of the podcast, we are always conscious when we talk about things to do with the health. So I do implore you to go and start to explore this yourself. When you go into this, don't go on and, and just start one leg hopping and trying to do a backflip. <laughs> Take it easy. No, 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 not- this is going to really exert you. Can I just jump in and say, if you are a, a supporter of our podcast, depending on what level you're supporting us, you do have access to the videos mm. and those video series cover different areas. So I do specifically have a video series that I created about a year and a half ago. And that is probably two, two and a half hours or more of content going into specific health areas and taking you down a deeper hole than we're able to do on the podcast here. So I don't know, as you listen to this, which level you're supporting us at, but should you choose to go up to the support level where you get access to, I think it's two or three of the video series, whatever, this might be one of the ones to go watch. Very much worth it because it gives me a chance to unwrap a lot more than I can do here on the podcast. Fantastic. And also that's video. So you can watch it. You can take notes. That's right. Anything Rose describing there, you get a visual, a visual perk or visual bonus accompanying what you have learned so far in the podcast. You can just head to the website. You'll find the supporter tiers, look for the the series that says health, and then just uh, support us. It'd be amazing if you support us. And one of the perks you'll get is that particular video series. So my suggestion, Ro, is we don't want to do meditation a disservice. <laughs> so I think we can, if, if you're okay with it, yeah. let's move to a part three. And Sounds good. I, think the list, I think the listeners at home will, will appreciate this in the sense that body and the health is such a massive topic. That's a reality of it. So when we talk about this, we are passionate. And I think on episode one, I said we could probably talk about this for days and days and days. And me and you embody this. When we're out on the road, we are always talking about health as a subject. What's the latest thing we've learned? The current topic on our minds is sleep. You know, we're regularly talking about sleep as a hot topic, but we shared with you that in part one. So you're going to have a three-parter all about body, which I'm extremely excited for. So is there any final words or notes we want to leave them with? Because actually they can now start to go straight into part three once that episode is out and live. I think for me, it's really just, just a quick revisit to what we talked about previously. So think about, you know, if you if you said, well, what are the things that we can consider? Think about reducing some of the processed foods, maybe looking at things that involve sugar, maybe dairy, uh, meat. Again, we're not trying to get you to be non-meat eaters, but just think about what you're taking to your body and try, play with your body. Your body gives you the best science feedback. It's a biofeedback mechanism. Look at increasing water intake, live foods, you know, alkalizing. Go back to the, the last audio and have a listen to that. And and then start thinking about your structural, your aerobic and your anaerobic exercise that you're doing and, and ask yourself a genuine question what am I not doing enough of and how can I start to improve that? And even if you just go and do some basic body movements and get some guidance online or go watch the video series that I created, get yourself a rebounder. 
I think that's a great place to start. I think you're right. We'll deal with the meditation and the relaxation, which is important on a separate podcast. Absolutely. And I know at the start of the episode, we said we'll share with you the eight columns. We shall reveal that as a final conclusion yeah. as part of this three-part series, because if we move this into part three, we can actually spend a bit more time on that. So that's exciting. Now, anything from myself, I would say Ro has described this in in detail. So hopefully by now, I would say sometimes with exercise, it can feel like it's, it's tough. I, I'm not motivated to do it today. So hopefully by us introducing the concept of a rebounder, both me and Ro have used one. He shared it privately in detail with his live events and, and the audience is there who've tried it out. And he's also shared that with you here as a listener. So what I would say is go, go try one. Even if your budget is low, you can always try it with a spring one and then upgrade the moment you know that, okay, this is amazing. I, I'm making this a part of my exercise routine. I think that'd be a great idea as well. So I'm also in the background looking to get a rebounder myself. So I'll be speaking to Ro about brands offline. And I think it's a great idea, Ro. Let's reach out to a few because maybe they can organize a discount for our listeners as well. Yeah, that's a great idea. Amazing. So that's myself and Rose signing out from this episode of the podcast. We look forward to seeing you on part three, where we will finalize this three-part series where we're talking about the body. Remember, the body is one of the five recipes that you receive as part of your emails for becoming a supporter from just one pound a month. So go check that out. Go become a supporter. Go and show us some love and we will continue to put these amazing content pieces out into the world. So until part three, we shall be discussing meditation and some closing notes, including the eight columns of health for you in your own time to go and deep dive. Yeah. So that's it. That's it for myself and Ro. We shall see you on part three and the next episode. Hello, it's Dr. Ro here. Harms and I would like to both personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Cicado Show. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal, on a professional level to help your life and maybe other people's lives, then please complete an important action for us which takes less than just two minutes. Please become a supporter of the podcast by going to cicado.com and as a thank you, you'll get access to exclusive supporter perks. And don't forget to simply subscribe to the show, share this product with loved ones, and we would love if you would take a moment to give us a review and let us know just how amazing this episode was. Thanks again for listening. This is Dr. Owen Harms signing out We'll see you on the next episode.